Hello, welcome to the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in Southern York County, Pennsylvania. You can join our morning live stream on Facebook or YouTube. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury. You can find more information about us at gfcshrewsbury.org. We are so excited to bring you this message today, and it is our hope that you will come to know and believe Jesus Christ more fully through it. Jesus, we thank you so much that you came to this earth 2,000 years ago. We thank you, Lord, that we have record, Lord, of your coming and of the holiness of that night. We thank you that as we together, Lord, can look back that peace, your peace, washes over our souls. Jesus, we desire to behold you. We desire to see you for who you are. We desire to receive you as the gift that you are for mankind. God, we humble our hearts before you. We invite you, Lord, to touch us. God, in the inner part of our being, lead us and draw us closer to yourself, that you may be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Boy, there's something about that song, isn't it? Um, As we look back, we can, uh, I think it just gives us a glimpse into what we really can only imagine of what that night must have been like when God became flesh. He entered this world. We're going to be talking about he's still here in this world. I have a few things I want to uh, just remind you of. Um, Beautiful service will be coming up uh, this Thursday evening. Can you believe it? This week is Christmas. (laughs) I remember back a few weeks ago, we were talking about Advent conspiracy. I was like, make sure that, you know, it's important that we plan ahead and all this. I'm thinking it's five days till Christmas. (laughs) But the beauty of it is, is that um, even in the the way this has snuck up on us, at least it has to me, it's like you blink and and it's almost here. Um, God has been doing a work in my heart, I know, that there's not the angst to Christmas that there can be, you know, because I just feel like God is reorienting me, reorienting my perspective that this is really about Jesus and everything else is secondary. And we're desiring uh, for this uh, Thursday night to be a time where, where we can all just focus on Jesus. So there are going to be two Christmas Eve services there at four o'clock and at six o'clock uh, in person here. Uh, at four o'clock, there will be child care available, uh, and that's for birth through age five. Um, please register for that. And we will also be live streaming the four o'clock service. So for those that are joining us online or if you're here and you're not able to make it, you can still connect in. Uh, four o'clock will be live streamed, and then the video will be available after that. Uh, so we're really believing that God's going to use this as an opportunity for families and extended families to come together and worship on Christmas Eve, even in their homes. So again, the opportunities will be available both here in person as well as online. I'd also like to remind you that uh, the New Life Christmas offering is still being received. Uh, we launched that offering last Sunday, and many of you came prepared to give and have sent in uh, your gifts uh, but there's opportunity to continue to give. So again, those, the New Life Christmas offerings for two ministries, New Life for Mothers and Children here in Glenrock, and that those funds are going to help provide a new driveway for them. And then also for the New Life Children's Home, the Orphanage in Guatemala, 
uh, that will provide uh, solar panels that will heat hot water. So uh, we want to, again, invite you, encourage you to give to those, uh, those causes that are beautiful ministries that lift up Jesus. Uh, so you can give online um, where you typically give, and it says uh, one fund. There's a drop down specifically for uh, the Christmas New Life offering. You can give in the boxes. Again, there are envelopes that you can give here on site. Uh, and you can also mark a memo in your check if you would uh, mail a check into the office. Um, the third thing I'd like to let you know, uh, Pastor Jeff and Tracy have been sick with the flu. So uh, you haven't seen them, and there's a reason they're being uh, kind to you, not to uh, potentially spread the flu, but also taking care of themselves. Uh, they're on the mend. They're, they're improving. And, um, and I just would invite you to continue praying uh, for their uh, full healing. So again, we did want you uh, to be aware of that. So we're now in our fourth week of this Advent te teaching. And this Advent series has been uh, called A Weary World Rejoices. And we're closing in on the end of this 2020 year. And as we, as we say that, we think weariness, right? But I want you to read this full title. The Weary World Rejoices. Regardless of what 2020 looked like regardless of what the rest of 2020 or 2021 looks like, the weary world has the call to rejoice, to be happy in God. And today we're going to be looking specifically at joy. And uh, so this rejoicing in the title ties right in with uh, what will be our focus uh, today. But we've been, uh, through these past weeks, we've been saying a prayer in many settings here at Grace. And the prayer has been a very, very simple one. And it's simply, Jesus, you are my, and then it's fill in the blank with what, where are you at? What, what is there about Jesus that you need to embrace for yourself at this moment, right at this time? So the declaration is, Jesus, you are my, and then you fill in that blank, and then it's a surrender. My life is in your hands. And that prayer has been resonating with many of our hearts uh, through this season. And I believe as we talk about series and focuses, we see how God uses these focuses to carry on in our lives. So I believe that this is going to be a prayer that will resonate in many of our lives for the rest of our lives, of the declaration of who Jesus is to us and then our surrender to him. So what I'd like us to do now is to prayerfully recite our journey through these four weeks of Advent. And I'm just going to ask, invite you to pray if, if, out loud if you would so desire. Just pray these prayers along with me. And we're going to do them very slowly because I want to give you an opportunity to just contemplate. Because the one thing that I've really discovered as I'm doing this is that I pray these prayers of confession and of surrender. And as I'm doing it, I'm realizing that they are true and there's so much more to embrace. Does that make sense? Like, when I say, um, Jesus, you are my life, I know that he is my life, and I know that there's so much more of him to embrace. And every time I pray this, I feel like when I say my life is in your hands, I truly am giving my life to him and realize that there is greater surrender that he is calling me to. So these are prayers of both proclamation, declaration, surrender, as well as, I, I think, uh, something that God is using to drive us forward and deeper in him. So again, I'm going to ask, invite you to, if you so desire to pray, pray out loud or recite this prayer in your heart, just as, as you feel led. But we're just going to say each prayer slowly, pause, and then we'll go to the next as we go through these four weeks of Advent. Pray with me. Jesus, 
You are my hope. My life is in your hands. Jesus, you are my faith. My life is in your hands. Jesus, you are my peace. My life is in your hands. Jesus, you are my joy. My life is in your hands. So God, as we pray these, we do pray them as declarations, as prayers of surrender. And we pray, God, help us more in this time together to embrace the reality of who you are and release ourselves more fully into your hands. Amen. So I have the joyous opportunity to bring to you today a message of joy. And I know that for some, um, you're not feeling it. For some of us, it's, it's the situations of life, just where we're at at the moment. Joy may not be something that we feel ready to embrace. So um, I thought about gently guiding you into this whole thing of joy, and then I just kind of felt led in a different direction. We're going to jump right in both feet. And I want, I, want to I want you to understand is that God is leading us all and guiding us all from wherever we are to where he's desiring for us to be. So I came across this story about joy, and it is an immense, incredible joy. It's the joy of the reunion of two who have been separated for two years. This reunion happened between Rebecca and Casey in Murraysville, Pennsylvania, just east of Pittsburgh. Uh, Rebecca had been um, living and working in Slovenia for two years. Even though she had been married there, Casey had not been able to go over for the wedding. So when they came together, this reunion, and we've often seen reunions of many kinds, uh, it was a joyous, joyous event. It was filled with immense joy, hugs, happy tears, squeals of joy and delight until Casey passed out. That's called being overwhelmed with joy. And it was caught on video, so we're going to watch the video. <laughs> and just to let you know, Casey's a snouser. Okay. So. Okay, so the thing is, if you thought it was impressive, there, there's the part before that I really wanted you to see that, that we didn't quite catch. When Casey first came up to Rebecca, it was literally squealing, squealing. And, uh, and all of a sudden, Casey literally just like stumbles and falls over. So, I mean, what you saw was the pickup, okay? That was after Casey had passed out. It was absolutely incredible. Um, but the thing I do want to make you aware of is that 
uh, Casey was okay. Okay, Casey went to the vet and it was checked out and everything was fine, so no dogs were hurt in the filming of the video, okay? Um, so you were witnessing some joy there. I mean, even how a dog and a person can unite and joy can just overflow. So you were wit witnessing that kind of secondhand. I'm going to give you a chance, and this may help some of you, it may not, but here's an opportunity for you just to experience some joy as others are experiencing this and joining in laughter. Maybe. <laughs> So without thinking about it too much, did you just experience joy? Good. I'm glad a lot of you just responded right away because we can spiritualize and say, well, wait, we're going to talk from the Bible. Did I experience joy or not? Okay. You allowed yourself to experience joy. And that video is from many that you can find on YouTube about contagious laughter, you know, and, and part of it is, is just hearing other people laugh. Like it feeds into it. Isn't joy contagious? That when we're around joy, it can just, it like builds on itself. You know, and for some of you, I was really glad if, if, no, if, I, if you guys just sat silent, I didn't know what I was going to do, okay? So thank you for everybody that laughed. It really helped uh, us move forward in the point. Uh, but some of you, I think you probably just felt, you just wasted 55 seconds of my life, you know? Um, so, so this message is especially for you. No, <laughs> this, this message is for all of us because God is calling us to joy. So, so what is joy? I'm glad you asked. There are three definitions. And I have not embraced any of them fully. So, um, so I, the reason I say that is that because joy is so broad, I, believe, I, I put all three of these up because I believe that there are things that we can gain from each definition. We're going to go down through them and, and just, uh, just present them. But yet, I don't know how we can fully encompass or, or, or grab hold of what joy means. So as we walk through, this is going to set some foundation. But as we walk through, we're going to see in Scripture how uh, how, again, joy is defined just as we look at joy and as joy and, and um, similar words are used in Scripture. So the first definition I have there, um, it says a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. We can probably relate that to joy for sure. The emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. So this, again, it's, it's definitely talking about there's emotion involved. It's something about a, a fulfillment either, either presently had or that you're looking forward to. The second definition is by John Piper, and he specifically calls out Christian joy. He says that Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul. The source is produced by the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. So this, again, is the work of joy is brought about by the Holy Spirit and it settles within our soul. Third definition, this is by Kay Warren, is this. In fact, let me give a little bit of context here. So Kay Warren is, is Rick Warren's wife. He's the pastor of Saddleback, and uh, God has used them powerfully around the world to impact 
uh, People for the Kingdom. Um, she has battled cancer at least twice in her life, as well as lost a son to suicide. And she has um, just been very instrumental because of her journey. People can relate to her in a different way. And, and what, especially even when you think about a person such as Kay, who's been through so much and then gives this definition of joy, I think it, it impacts us in a different way. So I want you to hear how she has defined it. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in every situation. That's a powerful, powerful definition of joy. Now the thing is, as we look at these definitions, again, there are uh, certainly some similarities between the three and there's some uniqueness uh, that each carries. Um, but what, it, what kind of amazed me as I looked at these definitions is that I didn't see a lot that said exuberance. I didn't see a lot that, that, said it, uh, that seemed to point to a giddiness or anything that we often connect with, with joy. And uh, I'm not saying right or wrong because there, as we look at Scripture, we are going to see that there are times for great exuberance. But I really do think that the settledness of joy uh, points to something very, very beautiful the way the, the, these definitions are presented and that there's a, the joy has to do with the settledness inside. It's something that comes from within. Okay? Now, that leads us to a question that, um, that we're going to explore a little bit. And it is a question that is often addressed within Christian circles. In fact, um, we've, we've said this many times, and I know that I've said um, this distinction many times as far as the difference between happiness and joy. And that's often defined in this way, is that happiness is based on our happenings in the surroundings around us. Joy is based in the settledness of God in our hearts. Something to that effect. Now, as I look at that, like I said, I know that I've said this many times. Um, studies have, scriptural studies have led to other conclusions. And I want to talk through those. Because there's an understanding of why, you know, words do change meanings over time. Uh, in fact, we, see, we live in a society where a definition of a word can change in a day. <laughs> um, look on the internet. <laughs> okay. I thought that meant something different yesterday. That's true, it may have. And our society functions that way, where uh, some words that used to be considered uh, admiral or even affirming have all of a sudden become derogatory, okay? So there is something about the evolution of the meaning of words that happens over time. But I want to look at, at this, this idea as far as happiness and joy, and specifically looking at, at Scripture and how Scripture addresses happiness and joy. Uh, often, again, because of our perception Often, you know, as Christians looking at happiness and joy or in our circles, we can downplay happiness. But I want to tell you that Scripture really exalts happiness. Okay, and, and I think it's important that we understand that. Proverbs 17, 22 says this, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. A cheerful heart is good medicine, that it is good for us to laugh. Okay, it's good for us to be happy. And laughter, this is, uh, you can do some research to, to, to verify this. I know science can prove anything. But there are some studies that say that laughter, even fate-forced laughter, is good for your being. Good for your, your body, good for your mind, your emotions. That even fate laughter, there's something that's, that's medicinal, it's helpful that just to express laughter and to experience laughter. Bible translations, and this is one, one, something that really... Um, struck me is that 
scholars that have, again, done interpretation of Scripture. It's not, it's translations. Um, and again, we're not talking about paraphrases. But scholars have studied the Greek and Hebrew and know English well, have translated Scripture. And there are over 100 Scriptures in, in the Bible that have both happiness and joy together within the same Scripture. That, that these coexist, that there's an overlap, that there's a sharing. So the distinction between, when you look back even on uh, theological writings over the, over the centuries, the idea that, that happiness and joy are different really only came to be in, in more recent history. So scholars of centuries ago didn't see that distinction. So uh, Johnny Erickson Tata said this. She said that, that, that there's this bleed over, that there's this sharing, that these words are used interchangeably throughout Scripture. You'll see them, again, happiness, joy, gladness, delight, pleasure, that these are used interchangeably throughout Scripture. And it's important for us to understand this, that, that there, while there are uniquenesses, there's, they're actually often used to define each other. And that they're like circles that overlap. And the reason I'm saying this is that I, I think sometimes we can, we can cause separations in our thinking that limit us in experiencing the fullness of what God has. You know, sometimes we can think that, well, if I'm happy and, and I can dive into this, well, is that spiritual or is it secular? Is it, you know what I mean? And, and just look throughout scripture and you're going to see this throughout. And even in the interpretation of some words, it's amazing how um, rejoice that we're going to see used in this one, in, in this one scripture a little bit later, uh, rejoice that, that's given as a command to Christians is the same word that's translated glad when the Pharisees were glad that Judas received the payment to, to betray Jesus. So the, what I'm saying is that there's this overlap between these words and there's a beauty in that as we accept, again, a greater fullness of what joy, of what happiness, of what gladness, of what blessedness, of what delight means in Scripture. So, again, I, I'm hoping that this umbrella is broadening as we're looking at it. But we also want to point out that, that joy is not a solo emotion. That joy does not exist isolated in and, in and to itself. Ecclesiastes said that there's a time for everything, the season for every activity under the heavens. In verse four of Ecclesiastes chapter three, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. And often those two are so closely, closely connected. Kay Warren again describes uh, sorrow and joy as, as parallel tracks, like a, a railroad train that, that those, those tracks run side by side. And I don't know if you've experienced this or not. I've been in many situations and experienced it myself where, where joy, where, where weeping and laughter are like back to back. You know, we experience joy and then we experience deep sorrow. So, so joy is not a solo emotion. But here's what I want to point out that it, it, it doesn't seem like it's a new thought, but yet I want to make sure that we embrace this reality. That God is joyful. That God is happy. So often we look at God and we think of, of we can think of, of a sternness, of a seriousness. But when we look at the fruit of the Spirit, it begins love, joy, peace. This is definition of who God is and the Spirit and what, what, what the Spirit produces. That joy is right there, that God is a happy God. So I want to just share some script, scriptures. I, I love this. Zephaniah 3.17 is one of my favorite in regards to this. For, it says, for the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Does that sound like a happy God? He's a happy God. He is a God who is full of joy. Nehemiah 8 verses 9 and 10 
I mean, just paraphrase this first part. They, people got to come together. Scripture being read, and they're feeling conviction. And they're mourning, and they're they're weeping. And Nehemiah says, "Go and enjoy choice food, sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. God is a God of joy." And his joy, what he possesses, and then what is given to us is our strength. It literally builds us up. It gives us what we need. Isaiah 12, 3, with joy you will draw water from the wells of foundation. Hebrews 1, 8, 8 and 9 say this. About the sun, he says, your throne of God will last forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore... God, your God, speaking of Jesus, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. God, your God, has set you above your, your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. And then in Psalm 16, this was actually quoted by Peter on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter, chapter 2. But in Psalm 16, the psalmist says this, this is speaking of Jesus. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. My tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So God is a God who is happy. He is a God who is joyful. He is a God who desires us to experience him in this way. Romans 14 says that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. God is desiring for us to experience joy. There will be a day when we will live in joy without mourning. There will be a day where the mourning and the sadness will be gone and there will be nothing but joy. In Revelation 21, we're told that he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning or crying, no more pain. The old order of things are passed away and we'll live in the joy of the Lord, unhindered for all of eternity. So are we, as followers of Christ, experiencing his joy? Are we embracing what he has for us? He has created joy. He's created pleasure. What happens is that the enemy steps in and can often take those things that God meant to be joyous, to be pleasure, to be delight. And, he, and Satan will lead people away from following God's timing, God's way, and God's measure. He distorts joy. He distorts pleasure. But God said, I've come to redeem. And Jesus came as a baby 2,000 years ago. And we're going to look just through the Christmas story and see places where we have joy. So I'm just going to talk through these uh, quickly. But, um, but I want to encourage you. Most of these are, are in Luke. Um, there, there's one reference that goes to Matthew. But if you look specifically, read through the Christmas story looking at joy, we'll see that Elizabeth uh, some of these, it's clearly said that, that joy, is, joy, is joy is expressed or experienced. Other times, it's certainly and clearly inferred strongly. So Elizabeth, when she became pregnant, she was beyond child, childbearing age. She was barren, but when she became pregnant, she said this, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Can you imagine the joy that Elizabeth felt? John the Baptist inside Elizabeth's womb. I love this. 
John the Baptist, pre-birth, experienced joy. He leaped for joy in Elizabeth's womb when Mary, who was pregnant with Jesus, entered. Jesus walks in the room inside of Mary and John the Baptist inside of Elizabeth leaps for joy. We have Mary. Mary, again, the beautiful song that she sings. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of my humble estate of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Do you hear joy resonating through Mary? Elizabeth's relatives, their neighbor, her neighbors, were actually even, Scripture says that they shared her joy when John was born. Zechariah, John's father, after John's birth, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied. And that prophecy resonates of joy unto the Lord. The angels. Now, this, it doesn't say that they were joyful. Just, again, these are some of the things that, that, that when you look at it, the words aren't there. But can you imagine delivering this message? Good news of great joy. It's impossible. Those angels had to be resonating with joy. As they sang, or as they said, glory to God in the highest, on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. The shepherds, when they saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed that what they had been told they were seeing with their eyes, and they became those who broadcast that news with great joy. The magi were overjoyed when they saw the star that came and rested upon where the child was. They have a little gap there and have Joseph because Joseph, as I searched, I couldn't find joy in Joseph. But I'm 100% confident it was there. As I looked at it, there, there wasn't a lot that was said that, that would show joy in Joseph. But I want to tell you, as I looked at the story, he's about ready to divorce the one that he is a spouse to because she's pregnant and the baby is not his. And when he has a dream and is told that that baby inside of Mary is of the Lord, I can't imagine that that didn't bring him joy. I can't imagine that it didn't bring him joy when he realized that he was going to be the earthly father of the Son of God. Joy was all through the Christmas story. And then two others that aren't listed are Simeon and Anna. Luke chapter 2, if you want to read that. Simeon was waiting all his life for the coming of Jesus. And with joy, he saw that Christ child. So I'd like to invite us as we look at, again, the Christmas story and Jesus, Jesus and joy in it, would we say, recite this prayer again? Jesus, you are my joy. My life is in your hands. As we look at joy, I'd like us to transition now and look at great joy. There are two places in Luke where great joy is mentioned. Luke chapter 2, this is with Jesus again coming to earth as a baby. Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 8. This we've already referenced, but, and in that same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. That, that, that declaration, I bring you good news of great joy. That, are for, that will be for all people. So Jesus coming to earth in Luke chapter 2 brings great joy. Now what struck me interesting was in that same book at the end of the book of Luke, in Luke 24... There's great joy at Jesus returning to heaven. 
Luke 24, beginning with verse 50, says this. When he, when Jesus had led them out of the vicinity of, of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taking up, taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They stayed continually at the temple praising God. If we look at these two, I want to connect them. And I, and I trust that God's going to help you as he's helped me to enter into this deeper joy that God has for us when we look at these two recordings of great joy. When we go back to this proclamation again, I bring you good news of great joy that will be to all the people. This proclamation is great joy because it is God putting on flesh. God is coming to earth in the form of a baby. Now, again, we, we could just sit and meditate on that and just be overwhelmed all day. That God, the creator of the universe, Jesus, through whom everything was formed, humbled himself and entered this world as a baby. But there's great joy because God put on flesh. And God put on flesh with a purpose. To re reveal truth, to reveal that, that, that man is sinful. To reveal that only he can pay the payment for sin. To reveal that only in and through him is their life and life eternal. There's great joy because Jesus, God, put on flesh and came to this world. Can I tell you that Jesus is still wearing flesh today? There's reason for great joy because for those who are in Christ, Jesus is in you. There's reason for great joy because this day, the good news lives inside of each one of us who have accepted that provision of Jesus Christ his gift of life, eternal life, through his death and his resurrection. There are many verses that we could go to that, that clearly tell us this, but I want to just look at these couple. Uh, first and Second Corinthians 13.5, the scripture says, Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you? Galatians 2.20, the proclamation of Paul, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live now in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There's reason for great joy because Jesus still lives in flesh. Again, for each one who has accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, Jesus lives in you. He resides within your physical body. God has put on flesh. And I'm looking at Jesus in the flesh. This should bring us great joy. Because not only did Jesus say, I'm going to live within you, he's going to say, my joy will be with you as well. In John 15, verse 11, he said, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. That as Jesus lives in us, he brings his joy because God is joy. As Jesus lives in us, he is bringing with him his joy so that our joy may be complete. There's purpose for his dwelling in us in joy. That again, our joy would find the, fulfillness, the fulfillment and the completeness that he desires. So again, there's reason for great joy because Jesus has come to earth in the flesh first as a baby and now in believers. The second part 
Jesus returning to heaven brings great joy. Says, the scripture says that they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Now, I want you to think about this setting again. Jesus has, has died on the cross. He's resurrected from the dead. Uh, in, in Acts, we're told that for 40 days, Jesus was with them and he was revealing through scripture how scripture had been fulfilled in him. So he was given this, giving them this confidence that, that he truly is the son of God and what has been accomplished has been God's plan from the beginning. But then he leaves. Jesus, the son of God, leaves. And what do they do? This, this like baffled me a little bit. It says that, that again, that they returned, they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. The great joy that they have had is a great joy that we can have as well. Because we need to have great joy knowing that he has returned to the Father and is seated at the right hand of God the Father ever living to make intercession for us. That we have great joy that we can embrace this season knowing that Jesus completed his work here on earth and he is now seated at the right hand of God the Father as well as living within us. And this connection I see so beautifully in Hebrews, when in Hebrews chapter six, where it says in verse, verse 19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. We have this connection between Jesus in us and Jesus, our great intercessor, the high priest who, who takes our case before the Father, who is the only way that we can approach the Father. He is there right now on our behalf. There's reason for great joy. There's reason for us to embrace this joy that is not just at Christmas, but, but is offered every day for those who will believe. So the question that I have is, when are we to be joyful? Always. Always. Philippians 4.4, 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. First Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice continually. There's two other great verses that follow. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all things, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. But we're called to rejoice always. Does it mean that there's always reason for happiness? That there's, that there's reason for joy because of circumstances? Many times not. And that's where, again, we need to realize that, that these, the joy and other emotions can and do coexist. But let's be careful not to dismiss joy. Let's be careful not to allow the circumstances that we're facing to rob us of the joy that God has freely given us through Christ. Let's be careful not to allow joy to be set aside because of anything internal or external. So there are lots of encouragement, encouraging scriptures that point to, to how we can be joyful in all circumstances. There are many, but I'm just going to touch on one, one Old Testament and one New Testament. Habakkuk. Habakkuk had been praying, and he'd been praying for God's chosen people, and he was desiring deliverance. And God showed them that deliverance was not coming at the moment, that, that God had a work that he needed to do. In Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, the prophet said this, Though the fig tree does not bud, there are no grapes on the vines, 
Though the olive crop fails and the, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. It all looks bad until we look up and we look in. It all looks bad until we realize that Jesus, our high priest, is seated at the right hand of God the Father. It all looks bad until we realize that we have Jesus, the eternal God, living within us. And we make a choice. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. I had heard this for many years. I did some digging until I really found that that word rejoice does mean to spin around. So those little hamsters at the beginning were biblical. That to rejoice literally means it's to leap and to spin around. There is, there is something, no, there is someone that causes this excitement. There is someone who is living in us and interceding for us that causes us to rejoice even in the toughest of times. And then in the New Testament, I went to Acts chapter 16, and there's earlier in the, in the book, I mean, it was absolutely beautiful to me when we saw the, to see the disciples who who were proclaiming the word of God and they're flogged, they're beaten severely and went away rejoicing because they were able to suffer for his name. But specifically in Acts chapter 16, the story, I'm just going to relate it very briefly. I want to encourage you to take time to read it. Uh, It's Paul and Silas. They're in prison. Not just are they in prison, they had been severely flogged. They're in prison their feet are in stocks. It's midnight. And what are they doing? They're sing, praying and singing hymns to God. They chose joy. They chose to be happy in the midst of unhappy circumstances. They chose to focus on the God of their salvation. And what happens? An earthquake comes and the doors are sprung open. And all the prisoners are released and they stay put. Because there's something greater than physical freedom. It's spiritual deliverance. And that's exactly what God had in mind for a jailer and his family. And when you read that story, you see that that jailer was about ready to kill himself because he was afraid the prisoners were escaped. And that would have been his death sentence. Paul said, no, 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 we're all here. And that jailer was led to Christ. He found joy in Jesus. It was so beautiful because... The jailer took them home. He, he took care of their wounds. Um, they were baptized. Like, this is so cool. I mean, I just can't imagine how much joy there was through this night. Um, and it said that the jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before him. He was, the jailer was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. That's what matters. That's what matters most. You know, we've talked a lot lately about there are things that matter and there's things that matter most. There are joys in our life, but there's one joy that needs to be the most. It's our joy in Jesus. I ask you this question because God's been asking me, is Jesus your greatest joy? Is Jesus your greatest joy? I can answer that yes a lot of the times, and then I catch myself being caught in other joys. Not that we can't, things that are wholesome, things that are good, we can experience them and receive them as even gifts from God. But am I allowing them to diminish my joy in God? Am I allowing those things to diminish my joy in Jesus? Guess what? 
There's a happy God that's not going to condemn us, but call us. There's a happy God that says, I want my joy to be in you to the full. I want my joy to fill you up to overflowing. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are joy. Thank you, Lord, that for all of us who are yours, who have come to salvation through Christ, that you, who are joy, live within us. And I thank you that that invitation to any who have not yet received you as Savior is going out right now. And that invitation is that joy unspeakable would come into every life, that eternal life would be received, that you would be glorified. Jesus, I pray that we would see you in such a clear way that your joy, joy in you, would well up within our lives, would be a testimony, Lord, to your goodness. God, would spread the, the beauty of the good news far and wide. And God, that we would yield ourselves to you, that we would truly declare, Jesus, you are my joy. I surrender. I give my life to you and allow you, Lord, to be the joy that we need. Thank you, Jesus, that you came 2,000 years ago. And thank you, Jesus, that you live here now in us. Thank you, Jesus, that you ascended to the Father. And right now, you are a high priest interceding on our behalf at this moment. Thank you that that brings us great joy. We love you. We love you so much. Amen. Amen. You know, the early videos, the idea was that laughter can be contagious. Joy can be contagious too. And I want to invite you. Uh, there's a, a group that some of you may know. It's Maverick City Music that some of us have really been captivated by what they do. But there's a song that we're just going to jump in for a couple minutes and I invite you to, to enter in or soak in. But there's joy that rises as they sing this song. You hold it all together. Thank you. Amen. I just love this so much because as they're declaring who God is and that he's with them, joy erupts. And the same thing will happen in our lives as we declare who Jesus is, as we embrace the reality and the truth of Jesus, that his joy in his life will begin to erupt in our lives and become contagious that others will see a God who is happy and a God who delights to bring life to each one. I'm going to ask if we would one more time, in fact, if you would stand, we're going to make this a benediction just before we do. I just want to encourage you with this. In the early church, the word rejoice was a salutation. That often when they would greet as they came together, when they would leave, they would say rejoice. So, some of you might feel a little uncomfortable with this. That's okay. You don't have to. But some of you might say, do you know what? That's going to be my salutation today. Just as I greet one another, uh, just say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. So let's make this our prayer once more. Jesus, you are my joy. My life is in your hands. Rejoice. Oh, you may go greet one another now and say rejoice. <laughs>
We hope you enjoyed this message. You can find more like it on our website under sermons. To keep up to date with our sermon series, hit the subscribe button in your podcast host and follow our social media pages. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury on the platform of your choice. If you're looking to connect with us further, then you can email us at connect at gfcshrewsbury.org. We will be back next week with another message. We hope to see you again soon.